beyond infinity. I've got Tony Hayes, retired scientist, PhD in physics from Cambridge in the 1960s, a PhD in psychology at Nottingham University from the 1980s. He currently lectures for U3A, which is the University of the Third Age, been living in Australia since 1989. Great to have Tony here again. When you were studying at Cambridge in the 1960s, you got to know Stephen Hawking. Tell, yes. us, tell us a little bit about that as background and then what, what you found recently in a visit to England. Well, I never worked with him. He was a theoretician and I was an experimentalist, but I got to know him socially. Mm-hmm. Um, so although we didn't work together, we drank a fair bit of beer together. And in those days, Stephen could walk with a walking stick and his, his voice was going, but I could understand what he said and I often acted as a sort of um, interpreter for him mm. um, and then we went our separate ways and, and I went to Nottingham and eventually came to Australia everybody imagined that Stephen wouldn't last very long he, he thought that he would die within a couple of years but of course he went on and on and on and became probably the world's most famous scientist but I was in London uh, last year and I particularly wanted to go to Westminster Abbey and seeing what happened to his remains. I knew there was a plaque there. It was actually on the floor. I thought a plaque meant something on the wall. That's my ignorance. It was actually more like a tombstone. But on that plaque is his very famous equation of the temperature of a black hole. Now, he wanted in his lifetime to put the equation of the entropy of a black hole on his tombstone. But no, no, they went for the temperature one. But both these equations, two equations, are absolutely unique as far as I know. I know of no other equations in the whole of science which have components both of classical physics and of quantum physics. Take this temperature equation, for goodness sake. (laughs) I know you can't see it. This this isn't television. Brace yourself. (laughs) Brace yourself. It's T, the temperature of a black hole, is equal to h Planck's constant multiplied by c to the power three now c is the velocity of light and that's on the top line the velocity of light is huge so the velocity of light cubed is even huger if it were a word Mm -hmm. that implies that a black hole would be extremely hot Mm. on the bottom line you've got 16 pi squared pi squared is a constant of course multiplied by boltzmann's constant now that's k boltzmann's constant is the constant that relates the, um, the kinetic energy of gas molecules uh, to, the temp- to their temperature, multiplied by G, Newton's gravitational constant, the one that was measured by Cavendish when he weighed the Earth, multiplied by M, the mass of the black hole. Now, these ones on the bottom line are all classical constants. The one on the top line is Planck's constant, a quantum constant. They're all constants, so you work out the values of the constants, which, well, you can look them all up, and you get to the the answer that the the temperature of the black hole is equal to 6 times 10 to the minus 8 divided by m, where m is in solar masses, the number of times the black hole is heavier than the sun. Hmm. Okay, that's fair enough. Now, since black holes are extremely heavy, that temperature looks as if it's going to be very low, of all things. Well, we know that the background temperature of the universe is 2.725 degrees Kelvin. Very, very cold. 
And it occurred to me, and I like doing calculations, it occurred to me how heavy was the black hole which would have a temperature higher than that. In other words, it would be evaporating. What, what is the limit? What, what's, what's the black hole of that temperature? Because um, smaller ones would be evaporating and bigger ones would not yet be evaporating, not until the universe cooled down. So I worked it out and lo and behold, the mass of the black hole, which has that temperature, is just about exactly the same mass as our moon. Hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's quite a lot of quite a lot of substance. Mm-hmm. But you can also look at the equations and work out the diameter of this black hole. A black hole with the mass of the size of the moon. And it turns out the diameter is about the same diameter as a human hair. My God. <laughs> <laughs> this and smaller black holes are evaporating. The bigger ones are not yet evaporating. Not until the universe cools down further and further so they're going to be around for a very 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 long time so the smaller black holes gradually are when you say evaporating what does that mean You're, they're they're losing mass they're, they're losing mass they're, 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 they're dissipating they're, they're okay. that's right mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're losing their mass okay so eventually they cease to be at all they they dissipate yeah. to nothing that's right that would appear so wow but but, most, but an awful lot of them are an awful lot bigger, and some of them are really quite huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you can work out the temperature at which they, which they are from, from his formula. His formula is, is remarkably simple. I, in fact, I've, I'm having a T-shirt made with that formula on it. I think it's so exciting, that formula. And any ideas why they chose... Apparently, Hawking, you mentioned to me that Hawking uh, had asked, or his, his wish was to have a different... Uh, a equation on his grave. Um, yeah. Why did they? Do you have any idea why they chose I, that I, one? I have no idea. Maybe the concept of entropy was a bit difficult for the people at the Westminster Abbey. I really don't know. Right. But this is temperature, and I, 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 I have a better feel for temperature than I do for entropy. I must say. Mm, mm. What was the difference? What because they're kind of similar equations, aren't they? Oh, what was the, the difference? They're very similar. Oh yeah, yeah. With with with, with the same constants involved. Mm. But but the whole point is that these constants are a mixture, a mixture of the classical and the, and, and the quantum. I don't know of any other. Uh, maybe some listeners do. I know, know of no other equation in physics which brings those two realms of theoretical understanding together. Was that Stephen Hawking's life's, his greatest achievement? Uh, it must have been up there. And when, at what stage of his life did he come up with that? Is that something that's been around for a while, that equation? Not for very long, because when Beckinstall, the, 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 the American chap, first suggested that um, you could study the, the, the thermodynamics of black holes, Stephen and everybody else thought this was a load of nonsense. I mean, Stephen was always in favor of a good argument. He liked to argue with people, but he was also very willing to change his mind Mm. and on this he did change his mind and then he went on to work out the consequences of it the thermodynamics the entropy and in in eventually the temperature and of course these guys i mean obviously deserve nobel prizes and sadly they're both dead now and it's far too late they don't give nobel prizes to people who are dead but nobody has yet actually discovered Hawking radiation. But it, it, it's there, and one can be very confident that it is there and will be found. Mm. So 
Black holes are quite, it sounds like they're quite common in the centre of galaxies. That seems to be a good place to look for black holes. Do you find black holes in other locations in the universe? Do you have rogue black holes that just sort of float around that aren't necessarily part of a, a galactic system? That certainly is suggested. I don't think they've been found yet, but it certainly there seems to be no reason why that shouldn't be the case. Mm. You, you wouldn't want one to sort of float into this room. No. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially if, yeah, I mean, it could it could be smuggled in quite easily, couldn't it? <laughs> if it's the size of a human hair. Yeah. But it would weigh rather a lot. So that one, uh, Messier 87, which is six and a half billion times the mass of our sun, and yeah. our sun has got a lot more, thousands if not tens of thousands of the, the mass of the entire solar system. So all the planets that comprise our solar system, they easily fit inside our oh, sun, yes. by, oh, like yes. many times over. Sure. So, so to have something that's six and a half billion times the mass of our sun, what is the diameter of Messier 87? Oh, look, I can't tell you offhand. Okay, but, 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 but it's, it's but, not the size, it's not the diameter of a human hair. I know. I, actually, I did find it. Funnily enough, so I, I think it has the diameter of something like six light hours. Okay. Remember, light years is a yes. measure of distance. It's not a measure of time. Yep. And, and, and we are eight light minutes from the sun. And I, I think the diameter of, of this particular black hole is six light hours. In other words, pretty big. And it's going to be very cold. It's going to be a pretty decent distance. A black hole with the mass of our sun has a diameter of about six kilometers. Yeah. So if you've got six and a half billion, well, we can work it out. That's 36 billion kilometers across, yes. something like that. So that would accord with, with what you, you were just saying. Something like that. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's definitely not something that's going to be anything like the size of a human hair. No, no. So what, what causes black holes to form? Does anyone know that? What oh, is yes. It's all to do with the death of a star. Right. Um, so it's a collapse. It's a big explosion followed by a collapse. If, if the star is something like more than 10 times the mass of our sun, then when it collapses, it forms a black hole. If, if it's less than that, it will form a neutron star. And if it's less than that, if it's the size of our sun, it will... It will first grow into a, a red giant and then collapse into a, a white dwarf and slowly fizzle out. Okay. It's all to do with the size of the original star that, that collapses. And the mathematics of this is, is really quite well worked out. Okay. And the size of the star depends on how much material it accretes, how much material there is in that bit of the universe for it to suck in. While it's growing. So that's to do with the, what the conditions were when it formed in, yes. in our solar system's case. That's four and a half billion years ago. So Yes. And, so, and, and they estimate it'll go on for another four and a half billion years. Yep. So we don't need to worry about that not uh, yet. being engulfed, not for a while. The red giant then collapses to a white dwarf. But okay. the red giant stage, the, 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 the sun will swell to absorb the Earth's orbit and go beyond that, of course. Mm. It'll be all frizzled by then well hopefully we'll be we'll be long gone by then and living. well we'll have to move off yeah yep that's right all right well look thank you very much to dr tony hayes for speaking to us today he uh, is a retired scientist a phd in physics from cambridge and a another phd in psychology from the university of nottingham you also do lectures for u3a which is the university of the third age are any of those lectures available online does anyone uh, happen to record them or film them put uh, them on youtube no i unfortunately not the they're, they're, transcripts they're, they're, available anywhere i use powerpoints because i don't see very well and the last 
the thing that people want to see is me looking down at notes. So the, the, the PowerPoints are my, uh, basically my notes, which yeah. I put up on the screen. Yep. And people do ask me from time to time, and I do put them on my website from time to time. Okay. What's um, your website? My website is named after an aid for the blind that I invented called the Sonic Pathfinder. Ah. It's all one word, sonicpathfinder.org. Now, if you go to that website, there is a little box towards the top, a cyan blue box, which enables you to go to the Manningham U3A, where I do my, my talks. And some of my material is, is there. Mm-hmm. And if anybody wants more, they can always drop me a line. My, all my contact details are in this website. Okay. Sonicpathfinder.org. And that actually refers back to a, a gadget that you were involved with. And that was kind of the, the world's first parking sensor. Oh, is no, that or am that, I? That, or that my, was a spin-off. I, yeah, I, I went blind in 1966 and had seven failed operations in Cambridge. I moved off to London and fortunately had a successful one. Mm. But that gave me a, an interest in blindness and a, a desire to want to use what little talent I had to help the blind. And mm. I moved into a psychology department at Nottingham, the Blind Mobility Research Unit, which was part of psychology. And I developed a number of aids for the blind, including this thing called the Sonic Pathfinder, a head-mounted pulse echo sonar system for the blind. Mm. Now, a spin-off from that is on everyone's car. It's called the parking sensor. I called it reverse aid when I invented it. Mm. I patented it in 1983, but nobody wanted to drill holes in their car, and it didn't really take off until about the year 2000, by which time the patent had expired. So I am not a multimillionaire, (laughs) but I, I take pleasure in seeing my baby on the back of lots of cars mm. these days i'm not allowed to drive i did drive until i, I was 70 uh, no un- until i was 60 but I, they stopped me driving then mm. well that so, was that was only a couple of years ago well no i'm 79 now ah. I, I i still tootle around on the bicycle yeah. Well, as I said, Tony's amazing because uh, he's, he's got very used to dealing with his vision. And most of the time, I'm not even aware that uh, I, I get caught out by uh, not being more mindful. But anyway, thank you very much for speaking to me today, Tony. It's great to have you back here and we'll have to uh, work on uh, tapping into some of your U3A material for a future visit back to the studio. Well, if, if I survive, I shall come in again. Gladly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much, Tony. Dr. Tony Hayes speaking with us today. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.